0: This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs. Listen live or support by visiting
1: WCWP.org. Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Welcome back. This is uh, Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. My name is Robert. Our special guest today, Mr. Caleb Clowder, who is a musician, a musicologist, I might say, and a true Southern gentleman and that uh, he has appreciated all kinds of difficulties to make this program, and I certainly appreciate that. Welcome to Seldom Said, Caleb. Thank you for having me, Robert. Pleasure to be here with you. It is my pleasure, I can assure you. There is a, a performer I remember my father always followed named Jim Reeves, and he was called A Southern Gentleman. And uh, I'd like to ascribe that title to you, given what you've experienced. Uh, <laughs> this idea of a gentility to the arts, it does not seem characteristic of a lot of venues I've seen. Is it something characteristic just of the culture of the part of the country you're in?
0: Gosh, I, I haven't thought about it that that much to to be able to analyze it that way. I just I just know for myself. I mean, there are times where I get frustrated and I and I'm probably rude to somebody. So I'm not a perfect <laughs> gentleman all the time. But I I do I do recognize. I mean, it might be my family, my upbringing, or just my general lack of. I don't like conflict. So maybe it's just a try to find a way to communicate when when there might be a difficulty is to find ways to find the easy road between the two things. And 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 then also when there's a great a great event happening or a great connection and movement happening also to relish in that and to so I just I just strive for that in general. I don't know why if it's my part of the country or where I'm from or just the way I like to tick.
1: <laughs> it's interesting, I, I can subscribe to that because it's the way I like to approach life myself.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Most country songs that I would think most of my listeners are familiar with tell stories. They're different than just the, the feel of a beat or a music or a dance style. Is there a song that brings you back to a moment that you thoroughly enjoy singing and remembering? Is there a special song?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question in the sense that uh, the songs have different lives for different reasons. Some of them it's just the joy of the melody and the, and the lyric and the memory might actually be a little bit of a dark memory. Mm. But I think that the singing helps work through that, that time or that memory. for for the for me as a singer. And that's part of the reason why I think I write those songs is to have outlet. It's like having conversation with somebody or maybe going to a therapist. It's it's a, a way to out. So if I had to pick one specifically, I mean, I think they all do that in their own little way for me in many different ways. So I have a hard time picking one of those in that way. But If I had, I'm torn between two right now. I wrote a song called New Shoes. I've heard it. And the the song is talking about someone breaking your heart, maybe cheating on you, but you're going to, you're going to be okay. You're going to make it through. You've got your head up high and you're going to, you're going to go on to, to where you feel like you'll be in a good space. You're going to walk, like we just talked about, we're going to keep on that good road. Um, So that always gives me that kind of hope when I sing it and I feel it. There's another song that talks about a relationship of love and missing one another being apart because of, because of separation, because of traveling and touring. Um, but always wanting to always remembering that person that you're far away from and always, and just knowing that love is so strong that it, there's a line in there that says, don't ever let them put trouble between us, mm. but our love and our love for life forever reign." So that's that right there to me. Always beautiful line. That's how I feel. Like, let the love be strong, and and don't let all the other talk and stuff get in the way of how we actually feel. And and so that 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 moment is strong for me to sing that that line. Although that line is the most misinterpreted line that I've ever written. Let our don't ever let them put trouble between us. No one can get that. I have had a, a, a thousand emails. What's that line you sing? What are the, what are the <laughs> words <right> there? <laughs> I haven't written a songbook yet, but I think I need to just for that song.
1: <laughs> do you resent it when people misinterpret your work? I know many authors I've I've interviewed do.
0: I haven't I haven't run into that yet. I haven't had that experience. Okay. Yeah. Do you, mean, do you mean in the way they play it or the way they hear the lyrics?
1: The way they analyze it. I know that Paul McCartney has said, I've been analyzed to death and I'm tired of it. You know, I that guess I don't opposite. feel like I've
0: been analyzed too much yet. All right? I haven't <laughs> had the feedback for it. I don't know, I can answer.
1: I'm too young. <laughs> Interesting. I so envy the young, as you can see on your screen. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, perhaps we should uh, revert back to a little bit of personal background. Who you are, where you've been, What's brought you to this time and place so even those in the listening audience who have not heard your work can understand who you are give us a pricecy of your life to this point
0: okay I born in New, uh, born in Philadelphia to parents from New Jersey um, at the age before I was one or around the age of one I moved to the west coast with my family to orcas Island a small island in, in Washington state we grew up here it's a pretty small community music around the community just Um, community bands and music nothing specific music styles but but I quickly grabbed onto music as a very young age my earliest memories are sitting around my parents turntable and pulling records out of the out of the the sleeves and trying to play records and loving it and also trying to fiddle with my dad's trumpet and his trumpet mouthpiece and trying to make any kind of sound I could that's my earliest kind of Crawling memory. Um, I grew up on Orcas Island, and I went, a, went away to school in high school for a little bit, and was sort of opened up to a lot of things in the world that I didn't know about. I wasn't really allowed to watch TV as a young child, or wasn't uh, um, introduced to much of the popular culture. I think intentionally by my parents. So when I went away to school, I you know I had roommates and and uh, friends that were from different places and faraway places that brought me all kinds of new information that I wasn't aware of. Some of it musical, some of it just pop culture things. Went to college in Oregon. And while I was in college in Oregon, I started taking music more seriously and studying a little bit of music. Um, that's where I learned to play the fiddle and the mandolin. I'd already been playing guitar since I was 15 or um so I've been living most of my life on the West coast, mostly in, in Oregon last almost 30 years in Oregon. No, last 28 years in Oregon, in Portland, but I consider myself from Washington. Uh, originally that's where I, that's where I am now. And that's where I grew up. And, uh, that's a pretty <laughs> quick little synopsis. I played in lots of bands since I was, uh, I mean, I, my best friend and I started a band when we were, uh, 14 years old and we were playing in the living room to our parents wow. and then that same friend and I continued through high school writing songs together performing at the local f- library fair and the island fair and uh, in college we stayed together and we started a band during college years that band was called Colobo we wrote all original songs and then uh, later on I all original in Colobo that's impressive with a few exceptions we might have had three or four uh, songs we started to cover later on, um, and then and then I, I as I started playing the fiddle and mandolin, I got I got more and more into traditional music and bluegrass and old time music and country music.
1: I shall be honest with you, Caleb. I remember growing up in the company of an old Italian gentleman who was so proud of his Caruso records, but on Saturday he would dial WWVA, Wheeling, West Virginia, Jamboree. And listen, what is the pull of roots music?
0: That's the age-old que- age question, right? I think it's—I think there's a well. I think there's a couple of things to me. There's such a simplicity to it, and such a kind of a low common denominator. And a, as far as the sound and the, mu- and, the and there's a danceability to it. So this this combination of this s- relatively simple music. Records cores and the truth, right? And these, these mm-hmm. lyrics that really touch and speak to your daily life. Um, fundamental things about about daily life that everyone can kind of connect with and relate to, I think.
1: I've found a, a great many misinterpretations of country music. My father is originally from West Virginia. There was the feeling it's hillbilly music, it's mountain music, it doesn't make sense and yet obviously it does and it strikes a chord. What do you feel is the strongest misinterpretation you have found in the country genre?
0: Gosh. Uh, wow, interesting question. Um, well, I know that as I first started putting out records that were in the more of a country vein and people would call them a country record, Uh, Right away, I got a lot of pushback from people who thought I would be, I would be lumped in with, uh, I don't know how to say it in a nice way, but there was a, there was just a negative connotation about country music. I don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what that negative connotation was, because I was trying to play it and wanting to play it and feeling it. So to me, it had a positive connotation. I think that it was, it's just like trashy trashy white music, mm. you know, and doesn't have any real soul to it. Country music. yeah. But, but I think that's what kind of happened along the way as pop music and the music industry took it and turned it into the most kind of like catchy, poppy thing that could put on the radio at the heart of country music. That's not really what it is. Right. Um, it, it's also getting associated with just like, Uh, a a certain set part of just a white culture, you know, in general. And I don't think that's correct either because it's not where it comes from.
1: B.B. King once said that country is white soul. Do you subscribe to that feeling?
0: Yeah, I don't think it has to be delegated just to white. But I think it is, it is maybe, it is definitely a soul music. I mean, if soul is going to be black, music and then sure country can be white so i would say that but uh interesting i don't like to just necessarily say it's, it's for white people or made by white people um i love the connections and the crossovers that happen with cajun music and yes. country music and the similarities there and the similarities between traditional cajun music and traditional american fiddle music well not american but because cajuns are americans but appalachian fiddle music mm. and other fiddle musics from around the United States—they're very similar. Indeed, break them down, and so those those connections. And if you look at Cajun music and Creole music, there's so much that's that's cross-pollinated there with every, with each other and everybody. So it's—it is a soul music for sure. Absolutely. At the end
1: of that same interview, BB King was asked, "Who do you listen to growing up?" He said, "Jimmy Rogers," <laughs> and that struck me at emphasizing exactly what you've just underlined, that it's everyone's music.
0: Yeah, yeah. Remember? I listened to Bob Marley growing up, <laughs> religiously.
1: That's interesting.
0: I love his singing and his soul. Um, I think it's interesting that Bob Marley, his initials are BM, and Bill Monroe, his initials are BM, and they both <laughs> sort of pioneered a genre that wasn't really there before they made it, and they both were so pure and and... And creative and and uh, leaders in their genres, and both very kind of spiritual people, um, clean. I, didn't, I don't think either of them drank alcohol. Interesting. Strong backbeat. <laughs> right? One's slower, one's faster. But
1: hey, <laughs> I love that. I was just recently in, unfortunately, an emergency room. I drove a friend. And he was sitting there and there was a woman who really was in dire straits, but she was singing to herself, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing's going to be all right. Music is a palliative. It's the ultimate. It's kind of an oral aspirin. It's good for everything.
0: Sure, yes, yeah, it cures so much. When we cry or laugh at it, both of them are so healthy. And when we, when we do it, when we make the
1: music ourselves, it's so powerful. Do you play for yourself on occasion? All the time. All the time. Yeah. Can yep. you bring yourself to a moment, to a time, to a place, good, bad, and indifferent, just with a word, with a line?
0: Am I able to do that, you mean?
1: Are you able to do that with your instrument? I... I am in no way a professional musician. My father was, mm-hmm. he said that he could bring himself back to his father's father, just by standing there by a window and thinking to himself, can you bring yourself back through a song to a moment, to someone you've loved, someone who unfortunately might've passed?
0: I, I haven't had the experience as much with specific people. But definitely have felt as though I've time traveled with the music in a certain line.
1: We're about one minute away from our first break. Okay. I'd like to return with a question and a comment. Some time ago, I was in a room with Pete Seeger. He constantly emphasized that he was a folk singer. And I'm wondering whether everyone is a folk singer including yourself. That is the frame of reference I'd like to return with. This is Seldom Said. My name is Robert, our special guest, Mr. Caleb Clowder. Be back in a moment. Thank you.
0: This is Seldom Said with
1: Robert Amato program is seldom said, my name is Robert. This is the place where conversation matters. Special guest, Mr. Caleb Clowder, musician extraordinaire and a perfect guest for this hour. Caleb, that question I just put to you before the break, do you consider yourself a folk musician? And if you would be so kind to put yourself on screen.
0: I think I'm on screen here. There we are. Yep. Robert, yes, I do consider myself a folk musician. I have often struggled with that question of that title, as though because I'm also a songwriter. I wonder if sometimes being a songwriter takes me out of that. But I don't, I, I don't know exactly the definition of a folk singer. But I do love singing songs that are carried by tradition, and we don't necessarily know exactly where they come from, and singing songs of commonality that have maybe morphed and changed over the over the years as 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 like the game telephone you know someone says something and someone else repeats it to someone else and repeats it to someone else it changes over years those are true folk songs to me i sing plenty of those
1: (laughs) indeed yeah (laughs) woody guthrie was once asked what you needed to be a singer and he said three chords and a lyric and yet when i've listened to uh your groups and performers like yourself, you're gifted presenters of a genre. Do you feel the talent can be taught? If this is everyone's music, do you feel you can take a student, and I know you do have students, and bring out of them a talent that they may or may not realize they've had? Is it in everybody? They said that everyone has a book in their life. Does everyone have a song?
0: You know, I actually do believe that is true. I think that so many people struggle with their self-confidence and connecting deeply with themselves, whether it's something that happened in their past or someone told them somewhere down the line that they couldn't do that or they aren't good at that, specifically maybe music or singing. But I do believe that we all can tap into that source. I think the voice is something that we can work on and train and the more you use your voice like any muscle in your arms or your legs the stronger it gets the little bit of a little bit of training could help you learn the notes specifically and then tapping into your feelings and your soul allows you to be true and honest in your presentation of those notes right indeed some people find that to be much easier some people find that to be more challenging but i do believe everyone can do it
1: Thomas Jefferson was tone deaf according to his biographers but he loved the violin how do you approach a student who initially just makes you want to open the door
0: (laughs) wow (laughs) That's that's a challenging one I focus first on just simplicity and really dialing in and listening to I think it's so easy to be distracted by a million things and not actually listen. How many times have you had a conversation with someone where you say something and they just don't answer you? They mm-hmm. they, they talk about something completely different. So it's about really, really, really listening and, and intentional listening. And if we have to start simple with two notes, I'm fine with that. I can go as slow as a student needs to go or wants to go, or I can go as quick as they want to go. So, do you
1: believe in genius?
0: Gosh, <laughs> you have amazing questions. <laughs> I believe in genius. I think I do. I think I do. I think there's people that I, I guess I don't again the definition of that word is so could be so interesting, but right to to be able to just play something out of the blue or 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 write something out of the blue or say things that are so profound out of the blue. That's pretty genius to me.
1: When you are writing, is inspiration then part and parcel of your creative process? Does it just come? Or do you have to squeeze it out?
0: Uh, Lately, I've had to try and squeeze it out. So I, I go back on that question often with myself. I've had so many experiences where I'm being creative and it's just flowing. It's just flowing and i'm allowing it to be open the tap is open i've had so many experiences where i'm trying to be creative and it's not flowing and i've experimented with the practice of creativity and the practice of writing and the routine of writing and i do find those to be somewhat helpful but when it's not actually being creative i feel like it's not it's not working so i i, I feel my my best pieces of music that I've made up are the ones that are just allowed to flow. Inspiration has come in from many different places and is allowed to filter through. I've allowed space and time in me to let that happen.
1: There's the old Bob Dylan quote where he said he carried a pad with him because he was always fearful <laughs> that he would forget the line. Yeah. Do you do something like that when something really comes and you say, this is Eureka moment.
0: Oh yeah, we am got I'm the, in the iPhone middle... these days. Ah. <laughs> I've got my pad on me all the time. You know, Indeed. I mean, a little bit easier than carrying a piece of paper and a pad. Of, but I, I, I've i carried a pad of paper often. I have one in my briefcase that's, that's handy all the time. Uh, briefcase has all my little my little portable office as I travel. Um, so, yeah, I keep a note. I keep notes. Absolutely.
1: If you could encounter yourself at 14, 15, 16 and turn loose the advice that experience has given you, what would be the most important single bit of advice that you might share? My 14-year-old self? Indeed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're going
0: deep here. <laughs> um, that's where I started being kinder to people. And I would tell myself to forgive and, and allow others to be different than you and that to be OK allow others to be who they are and be different than you. Cause I found a lot of conflict with people around me. When I was that age, I was angry were a lot of things going on that I couldn't control and didn't like, I used to sit by myself in this one tree that I had, I'd hide from everybody and I would just sit and ponder and think and cry. And I, I realized that I just had to let the things that I couldn't control be the way they are. Some people, are different than you and I've carried that with me a lot I've, I've tried to just accept people when I run into conflict with people or I run into differences let them let that be let that be okay
1: you feel then that music is the perfect therapy
0: music isn't really incredible therapy it uh, one of the things I love about traditional music or I would even say the simple country music, jazz music has it as well, and blues has it for sure. But this commonality, this, simplest, this simple form, this kind of universal language that, that people can sit down together, people who maybe have never played before, but they understand the formula and the language and they can play music together. So you have this bonding, you can have an audience member who chooses not to play, but chooses just to participate by listening. They can bond with that music too. That personal experience of bonding with the music, feeling like, yeah, that's my song, even though you're not singing it or playing it, or feeling it's your song because you're playing it singing it. That is such a healing, healthy relationship. It connects us with people, it, it creates community. It, it, it really draws you in, even though you might have all these diverse political beliefs or social beliefs, mm-hmm. Or social background, it it brings you into a common space where you can connect with these these words or these feelings.
1: Is there a delineation to your creative process? The words first, the lyrics first, then the music, or vice versa, or is it interchangeable?
0: It's totally interchangeable. I'm 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 fascinated by that question and that and that situation. Uh, I I do write what I call tunes no words, right? I, I play the mandolin or the, or the fiddle and I write tunes. So I'm fascinated by melodies and how they connect to old ones and how they're new and how they're present in them, how, how they're they're relevant to the moment. But there's plenty of times where I'm writing lyrics. I think whenever I write lyrics, I have a rhythm going in my mind. And so there's some kind of a melody. The melody mm-hmm. might not be so specific, but the the rhythm and the, the lilt if you will, that goes with the timing of the words is very important to me. So I don't think I can write word. I actually have written a few poems. They still have a, a, a rhythm and a timing to them and a rhyme. So there's a little bit of music in there, but some of the poetry has been really music free. Only one of those has turned into an actual song later on, which is interesting.
1: You're a musician, you're a lyricist. Is there a book in you that you'd like to write, a collection of your words?
0: I don't like writing, <laughs> <laughs> but I have thought about um, as I as I reflect back on the songs that I wrote when I was 20 years old, 19 years old, 17 years old. I, I you know as as a songwriter and as an as a as a human, you you move through life and you change and you morph and you become uh, maybe you become wiser maybe not maybe you become less wise but you leave sometimes you leave behind these things that were part of your youth right it's kind of a, I think a common occurrence and with these songs that I've written or songwriters have written you're leaving this pretty obvious trail behind you And and there's been times where people have asked me to go back and sing this song that I wrote when I was 20. And Mm. my first instinct is, no, 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 I don't wanna write that. I don't wanna sing that anymore. That's that's then, I'm now. But as I maybe open up and be flexible and go back and sing that song again, just out of curiosity, I realize how much I connect with the words. The music may be totally different. The vibe that was put out or the, the energy of it all or the presentation, but the lyrics still matter to me. So there's there is something there. There is some kind of a theme there that I haven't quite figured out that's flowing through all of my stuff. And I haven't I haven't gotten it into a cohesive book,
1: <laughs> if you Indeed. will. It's like I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever kept a diary? Or are your no. songs your diary? No, my
0: songs are my diary and they're in my mind. And I I thought about that a lot. A lot of my friends keep diaries and I tell myself I should keep a diary because it seems like something that people do, but I realize how much of that stuff is in my mind. And of course my mind could go and I could lose all that, but um, I do I do catalog all that stuff in there. I, no, I do not keep a diary. I do feel like I, m- I miss some little details as you're traveling and touring as a musician. So many things come at you and come and go and go by. You don't even know what you did last week or a month ago. You know, certain things stand out, but these little small things along the way tuck away. But there's some beautiful little moments that I would like to be able to tap into and remember. So maybe I should keep a journal.
1: <laughs> I must buy a copy. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on my, on my published journal.
1: <laughs> I. The band that I've recently listened to, I like to research my guests and it's, you've been frankly easy to do because I still thoroughly enjoy the music. The Vaghorn String Band, your harmonies sound incredibly natural. Each one seems to be a gifted musician. How did you meet and how did you go about melding it so that it sounds so smooth and practiced? That's a really
0: interesting question. It's a, it's a, Sort of a long story. I'll try to keep it a little bit um, concise. But um, Sammy, Stephen, Sammy, Lind is the fiddle player. He and I met in Portland, Oregon, through a community of of music of old time music. There's a there was there was and is a strong little community of of people that play old time music in Portland. Um, elders of ours and now people that are younger than us. We were pretty young then. We were. 24, 25, 23, and I think partly because we were the younger people, we connected in 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 that in that sense that we were of the same age. So we started playing together, and and unlike with other musicians, things just clicked naturally. Things were easy. Uh, there was some kind of common goal or common sound that we were. Achieve, trying to achieve, I don't think we knew exactly what it was, but I think we knew vaguely what it was. We maybe had some similar musical backgrounds outside of the situation that we brought to the table. So it started there with myself and Sammy. Quickly, the band with within that community, we formed a little band within that community of other friends that were in that same age group. Um, things, it, it took a while for that to evolve, but it evolved and it, it became a really powerful group the the original Foghorn String Band, some of those members stopped going to tour and stopped playing with the band. So Sammy and I were back to a duo and we met Nadine. She's just a natural loud projecting singer. Uh, We were already being uh, uh, exploratory of Cajun music and, and and going to Louisiana and meeting up with Cajuns and playing some music with them. Nadine is French Canadian and already speaks French and has Acadian background, so there was a connection to the music there that way for her, and she played the bass. And then as, as I when I first met Reeb Wilms, um, when I first heard her sing, I had my back to her, and I, it, it turned me around in a second, it flipped mm-hmm. my head, because it was the first time I really had heard not only a woman, but someone that I just felt like with that sound and that tonality and the pitch that I could resonate with right on. So that's how Reeb and I started singing and we brought her into the foldings of Foghorn String Band. So now that's how you have is the four of us as Foghorn String Band. And and those things were just were natural pulls, right? There's been other instances where it's been challenging to do that, but those were just natural pulls.
1: It's quite interesting where within the second station break, that's usually indicative of of a marvelous interview, and that goes by so quickly. It goes by so quick, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll come Bye. back in a few seconds. Uh, this is Seldom Said. My name is Robert, our guest, Caleb Clowder. Back in a moment.
0: This is Seldom Said with Robert Amato.
1: Welcome back. This is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Special guest, Mr. Caleb Clowder. Uh, Caleb, uh, Perhaps we can start this last segment, unfortunately it's the last segment, with uh, this idea of a band finding its sound. Mm. It would seem with folk music, the sound has been out there for so long, and yet Foghorn does have its own sound. Mm -hmm. How did you pursue it and how did you find it?
0: Oh, Pursuing it, well, for me, it started with the desire for acoustic music as opposed to plugged in electric music. Even an acoustic guitar can have a pickup and be plugged in as a sound. So I was I was first of all fascinated with the just acoustics of the instruments and the, the sound that they can make. As most songwriters and musicians learning, you're playing an acoustic instrument when you're starting out in general. So I was just fascinated by that and wanting to point myself in that direction more than I had in the past. So I was seeking out other people who were interested in that. And then as as Foghorn came together and formed, we were friends in a community, we knew each other, but we all formed a, a little picking festival where we all sit around for a week, camp out, cook food and play music all day long, all night long. Mm-hmm. And a few of us had what we call a session where we just bonded together, banded together and had a little session and it just clicked. It was one of those things that surprised us all. Not too much because we already had seen each other and knew each other and, and admired each other's musicianship, which is why we bonded together for a second to play. And that sound, but it, 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 right away, it had something a little bit different, a little bit, maybe everyone was just a little bit more focused and a little bit more willing to let it go. I mean, what I mean by let it go is like, shake it off your inhibitions and just play it 100%. And when that happens, when everybody plays at hundred percent, what you get is magic. Uh, and you really, you really lose yourself. You lose your ego. You, the music takes over, and you play the music, and the music plays you. And that's what that's happened. It's a marvelous way to put I believe, it. I believe that's what happened. And and then and then we we intentionally, you know, we had a couple things in our group that that were a little bit abnormal of the traditional old time music sound. For example, we had a mandolin and I had an F5 mandolin, more of a bluegrass mandolin that wasn't really used by many people, if at all. and, And our banjo player was willing to switch from a claw hammer banjo style, an old time banjo style to a three finger picked banjo style, which typically was thought of as a bluegrass sound and not an old time sound. So we were willing to push those things into the music these bluegrass sounds, but yet still just play old time music and sing the old songs. So we are kind of finding ourselves right between bluegrass and old time music in a new little, little valley, you know?
1: <laughs> you mentioned yeah. mandolin and I do want to pursue it, but I am rather curious, those magic moments, is there a fear attached to that? Other performers have told me to some degree there is. Reaching a hiatus, something so special, it's just a great night and knowing you have to play the next night, how do you find it again? <sighs>
0: yeah, the performance, the performance takes it to a different level, right? Because uh, what I just described to you was not a performance. This was just a session. So we're just mm-hmm. circle up, all facing in, all backs out, playing to each other, playing the music. When you put it onto a stage and you perform it to people, I think that your ego gets in, in there a lot more because you're performing to somebody, you've got to be presentable, you're looking for a response from them, appreciation or approval, right? Yeah. There's so many more factors that get involved to have that magic moment. When we played as a session, playing just to the music, you put the music right in the middle of it, knees in, and you play for that, that is a powerful, incredible moment that I've I think that's easier to get to um, I have those moments on stage where those just like blissful moments and it is a fear they're they're every 30 to 40 shows and you don't know, have no idea why it did why it happened or why it didn't happen you know I did the same thing I did last night what happened <laughs> you know
1: I guess continuing that uh, how do you find it to be fresh uh, Hank Williams saying cheating hard he sang it so many times he had a difficult time he said, making it new, but rather than just reciting it. How do you keep the freshness?
0: I, I, I choose to break rules and um, challenge the standard. Uh, I have a hard time with my band. I also, you know, front and lead a band, the Caleb Plotter Country Band. And I have, I have a little bit of a challenge within that band because of that exact same reason. I don't want to make a set list. I don't want it to be the same thing every night. I don't want this song to be our first song and this song to be our second song because it worked out great last night. Not gonna work out tonight. I I wanna read the audience who is out here tonight. What's the energy in the room? How are they connecting? How am I feeling? And so that's the first thing I like to do. Second thing is I might just start singing the song tonight instead of doing that little kickoff thing we always do. Hmm. Hmm, I might play it a little bit faster and that's okay. That's how I feel it right now. I might play it a little bit slower because I'm just in you know, a real mellow mood. Whereas someone else in the band says, well, you're, you're dragging it. Well, that's not how I feel.
1: I'm, I'm giving it to you straight. The mandolin, when I listen to it, it is distinctive. I've also found it to be the most difficult instrument I have ever attempted. It required strain and strength. My father played it. It was both Appalachian and European-Italian. What drew you to the mandolin?
0: Oh, wow. Um, I had never really heard it before I first saw it. Um, The shape of it and the, the scroll of the F5 and this kind of um baroque looking or i don't know this 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 florentine look of the mandolin just drew me in instantly what is this little thing <laughs> it's got strings like a guitar that i already know how to play guitar but it, I, I see there's a pick with it but and I, I had heard of mandolins but i had heard of the oval round back mandolin that's the, uh, the the old style mandolin so this florentine this brown this this beautiful instrument and then i got to hold one before i knew how to play it And I just felt magic in it. Um, Part of that magic might've been the story that came with it. And that's a long story about the piece of wood and the story of the builder. It turns out years later, I end up having a mandolin built by the same person who built that first mandolin that I touched. And that's Mm -hmm. what I own now and what I've been playing for 20 some odd years solely only that one mandolin. And I started along that way. I started trying to play the violin, the fiddle, actually. I really wanted to play the fiddle. My stepmother had played the fiddle. I, I love the idea of playing fiddle, but I found the mandolin to be a tad bit easier because it's tuned the same way as the fiddle, but it's plucked like a guitar and I already knew how to play guitar. So I
1: I leaned, leaned towards the mandolin. Interesting. Yeah. I notice. that, uh, I don't know how it is in your part of the country, But here the first things that are cut in school budgets are the arts. Yeah. And the first thing of the arts is music. Yes. And you'll go from uh, having a marvelous chorus and a folk song group and even a clogging session and suddenly you have nothing. Have you done any work curriculum wise or reaching out to districts in your area or trying to start a nationwide movement where people realize the arts are so important to our way of life.
0: Um, I haven't done that specifically. No, I've, I have, I have been part of school programs, one-off school programs where we are teaching kids music and go in and participating. Uh, maybe a specific teacher has a request for you to come in. It wouldn't be a music or an arts related teacher necessarily. It might just be someone who's interested in the music and the, the cultural background. So no, I haven't done that. Uh, I am interested in that. I do enjoy teaching. I love the, when the kids dance to the music or when the kids are interested in the music. I remember my experience first getting to the opportunity to play music. A teacher came into my school when I was in fifth grade, just came in and played hand clapping rhythm games with the class. I loved it instantly. And the teacher asked who would like to come and be in the middle school band next year. You know, and I was the first person to raise my hand, whatever Mm. that meant, I wanna be in that. So that feeling is really important to me. I remember that and I I would like to be part of that. I haven't yet found the time to create that, but I I would enjoy being a part of that if I could be involved
1: in that. They say that musicians and artists are gifted and they're born with the skill. They've also used that phrase to describe true educators, how would you approach teaching a class?
0: It depends on who I'm teaching to, right? I have had experiences teaching mandolin classes at camps, at music camps in the summertime. There's plenty of music camps that are organized all over the country and in Canada and in Europe. Those often are multi-age and multi-level of experience on the instrument. Those are really challenging to pinpoint and, and teach something that's good for everybody in that class. So I would I would first approach it as maybe breaking it down into age groups and levels because younger children have a lot different attention span than an older person, right? So I would I would um, I would first just try to bring in rhythm, rhythm and and for the younger people try and bring in rhythm and movement to it. And if they are attracted to that and they want to, if I was teaching a, just a music class, I might start adding singing to that so that there's melody. Try and get everyone using their body. And then if it becomes specific instruments, that's great. But, you know, instruments are harder to do than, than singing and using your body and clapping your hands, right? Stomping your feet. That's a great way to get rhythm and timing Indeed. And, and the feeling.
1: Do you feel that certain educative programs Don't give credence to innocence. They'll teach an instrument, this is the way one does it. They'll teach a song, this is how you should play it. Is there an innocence that is required to be a creative musician?
0: Gosh, I love that question so much. (laughs) You've got amazing questions, you really do. Um, I I, I would say maybe yes. I sometimes am sad that I feel like maybe I've lost some of my innocence. And in my innocence and in my youth, I was more unabashedly creative and more unself, less self-conscious, right? And I was more able, willing to just go wherever my creativity took me. Now I have parameters and rules to myself. I I give myself boundaries that I put on myself. So I think those are really dangerous for young people. I think that one of the things that's helpful for young musicians or young people or beginning musicians is to bring things simplify. maybe give them a few less options so that the results are more uh, successful. Like for example, I'll take it to painting. If you give a child blue, red, and yellow and give them paint and a paintbrush, they're gonna make brown and black right away. But if you give a child blue, and yellow, only, no red, they're going to see green and mixtures of blues and yellows. And then you take away the yellow and you give them just blue and red, you're going to give them this beautiful colors of purple and, and different colors of greens and, and blues, right? The same thing with red and yellow, you'll give them these oranges, those those are, and then teach them how to put all three together. Mm-hmm. So. Rather than just giving them all three at first and just having brown happen, which is an okay color, but it's not as dynamic. It it sort of always defaults to that if you're not careful. So I think that that's an interesting way to think about music.
1: Is the hook in a song quite similar to that core color you've just described? Starting with a chorus, with a line you can go back to, and then weaving the story about it?
0: I'm not totally sure I understand the question. Is it like that core color, like the brown, you
1: mean? Meaning a a color that one always looks at. Uh, Picasso always said that there was a print. He loved orange and yellows, and he would go back to orange and yellows. Hank Williams always returned to a hook. Your cheating heart will make me weep. Mm -hmm. Do you start with the hook and then build a song around it? And is the hook a necessity? I think the hook... I don't think the hook
0: is a necessity, but I think that we, we um, the hook is very, um, how do I put it? The hook is obviously catchy. That's why it's called the hook. And it, it's something that we can all sing along to. I think the songs that are, there's some really wonderful songs that have just a ton of lyrics and there's never really a hook. It's a great song. It's a ballad, has a story, but it's harder for everyone to sing along to less people can sing it. Those songs that have just this simple hook everyone can jump into and be a part of, it's a little bit more inclusive. It might be simpler. That is a necessity to bring in that connection with everybody. It's not a necessity in the bigger picture. And when I start writing a song, I don't always start with a hook, no. Sometimes you get lucky and you get a great hook, but you've got this other line that that was your premise for the whole thing.
1: Within one minute of the end of what has been a marvelous program, I'd love to do it again at your discretion.
0: Okay, I would love to. Love to. Basically,
1: uh, perhaps we can end it just by saying what your future plans are and just take 10 seconds and describe them to us.
0: I continue, I, I intend to keep playing music and traveling when I can when that happens and that's safe. Um, still writing music and recording some at
1: home on my own. I thank you for the time. Our guest has been Caleb Clowder. This is Seldom Said. Be with us again next time. Thank you, Robert. It's my pleasure.